And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. And all the people said, wow. That gets me every time. Such a good, good uh, song, and and uh, the way they built that and put it together with everybody just amazes me every time. Brings me to tears. So beautiful and patriotic. Welcome to Connecting the Dots, Dan Happel's show. I'm David Summerall, guest hosting today, and I brought along a couple of friends. Tamara Lee has been here before with me. I'm I'm excited to have her on as well. But I brought you all a special treat this morning, and I want to introduce you to one of my heroes, Daniel Goodwin. And just by chance, he surrenders himself for prison tomorrow. So without taking any time, because he's got several appointments today, I want to bring him on first and let him just kind of say hello and, uh, you know, get some information on how you can help support him through this time and and just tell a little bit of the story. So Daniel, come in here, brother, and, and let's talk to some people and tell them what's going on with you, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So- uh, what I tell people is the same way people can help the other J6ers is the way they can help me. And just like I said, when I went on Tucker, the main way would be if McCarthy would release all the footage. So everybody pr- pressure on him if such a thing is possible, because who knows about these rigged elections. But uh, stophate.com slash J6 has all our calls to action, including how to join a prayer group how to write letters to us when we're in prison, which I'm going in Thursday, and how to uh, donate to our fundraisers. And mine's up there at the top. So those are the main ways, and there's plenty of other ways on stophate.com slash J6. I appreciate that, man. And, and, And seriously, people, that's how you find out how to help people and where to help people. Patriot Mail Project, the prayer group, everything's there. Sing for Freedom. You know, contact your senator and congressman. There's a lot of things. There's something for everyone. You can get the book that we talk about all the time, the American Gulag Chronicles, Letters from Prison. It's a fundraiser for these people. 100% of the funds go to help them. We've done really well with it, but we've kind of plateaued. We need help. We need sales. We need support for these people. And uh, they don't need to go this road alone. And now we see Daniel Trump's uh, trying to, if you can't beat him, join him, become a J6er, it looks like. And uh, what what do you think about that whole situation? I think that we saw this one coming from a mile away. We saw what Merrick Garland said. We saw what the New York Times put out. And that was, what, a year or two ago? We know that even the January 6th committee has suggested 
you know, specific charges. And we've just been waiting for this to happen and it's bogus. And we'll just see if the election this time around is rigged enough to where he can't win and pardon himself. Cause I don't see any other way around it in a DC jury. He's not going to get any kind of fair shake. Oh, and by the way, my shirt says defund the media. So that is a great shirt and a great thing to do. I promise we are the new media and some of us took that seriously and showed up on January 6th to film and show the world what actually happened. And we found ourselves in harm's way being charged with crimes that we didn't commit. Now Trump is joining the party, unfortunately for the country, but fortunately, because maybe people will see finally once and for all, that's what happens to all these J sixers for the last two and a half years is now happening to Trump and it is bogus and it is wrong. And, and maybe they'll start standing up more for J six defendants and their families who have been, you know, bearing the brunt and the weight of this whole situation for these last two and a half plus years. I don't think people understand how much time has gone by, you know, to, to look for help and to wait for someone to come help save the day. Where's the heroes? Where's the, the big supporters and the big donors and, and they haven't shown up. And I know that's frustrating for so many uh, people that are stuck in this situation. And, and I know it's, it's hard to get support when people don't understand what's happening. That's what's so important about the work that we do is just to expose truth and, and bring everything to light and let people decide for themselves based on video and witnesses, not just, uh, you know, the talk and the, the drama, the emotion of everything involved with it. So Daniel, man, I'm serious about you being one of my heroes. I'm so proud of you for your stand, for your commitment, your courage and your faith. Uh, tell people just a little bit about what that means in this whole situation with you, with your God. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, this thing has always been about the first amendment. And even when I talk about the first amendment, our rights don't come from the constitution. Our rights come from God, but the, the founders were smart enough to put in there, you know, these are the rights that the government should protect and the right to free speech, the right to practice our religion, that's essential in America. And if we're going to be out there sharing the gospel, we need to have free speech. But, you know, if the government's trying to infringe on that, or even not the government, if it's these big tech companies, that's going to be more difficult. So we need to do whatever we can to resist the crackdown, the censorship, the canceling culture, silencing our voices. We need to do whatever we can to make sure we're allowed to share the gospel freely in this country to tell people about the true way that this country can be saved. And obviously election integrity is a huge part of that because uh, if the people are making laws or even, you know, executing things or judging things wrongly, um, we, we need to be able to vote them out. That's the mechanism for it. And if that's not the mechanism, we can go into some other amendments, but we've got to be, uh, you know, putting God first and second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen is the formula for this nation to be healed. I agree. I agree hundred percent. And and listen, as a, as a man, and I, I'm not saying this to blow smoke up anybody's backside, like Mark Southern always says, you live your faith, you, you live your convictions. And, and that's a beautiful thing. A lot of people struggle with that. And, and it seems to be almost easier for you. Like you've submitted to that and everything that we do, we try to make it kingdom work. And that's as a team. And I understand that, but the, the part that people don't understand about the freedom of speech, the right to assemble, these are God-given rights. The Constitution simply explains it for people. It puts it in a place for them to find it, but the Constitution did not give those things to us. 
they're inherent by God. And, and that's something that people do struggle with. And they think that if they change the constitution, they can take those rights away. They still exist. They're still ours. And, and this whole struggle between that is so real. And it's about the control and the power and manipulation. We see that, especially around the J6 narrative with the lies, the perjury. These court cases are ridiculous. And we know that. And it's sad that people have to suffer. But what do you think this this Trump uh, situation will do for the truth and light? Do you think it will bring more video out? Do you think they'll talk more about the deaths now than just the uh, broken glass and pushing and shoving? Do you think it'll get... Uh, to the point to where J6ers need it yet? That's a great question. Um, you know, you might think that intuitively, uh, since Trump wants to exonerate himself, he's kind of a selfish guy. He has stood up for us a little bit, but it took a long time for him to get there. Maybe now he'll be a little bit more careful looking into the facts, or maybe even some of these people he has around him will help him with that more now. Since they, uh, you know, he usually has people around him that aren't helping him so much. But, you know, I think it's very important for us to recognize what the scripture says, what Jesus said when he said the truth will set you free. And it's true. The truth will set J6ers free and the truth will set Donald Trump free. And um, the truth is already out there. We put out our, uh, you know, writing history documentary uh, June of last year or the year before. And then Bloody Hill we put out last year. Yes. Yesterday. Mm -hmm. Last year, yesterday. And so, yeah, that's another thing. If people go to stophate.com slash J6, you can find those documentaries. And it's not only important for you to uh, watch those so you know the truth in, in general about January 6th that day, but it's also important for you to share that with your friends and family and other patriots so other people know the truth. And uh, even people who aren't patriots, they need to know the truth too. And maybe they'll, uh, you know, cover their eyes and cover their ears and deny it, but at least you can say you've uh, given them the opportunity to know the truth. And if people want to know the truth about me specifically that day, you can look up uh, Daniel Goodwin, January 6th supercut. And I published all the footage of me from that day. So it's not just the less than 60 seconds in the building, but it's before at the rally it's afterwards meandering around. And uh, yeah, it's like me and you have noticed and other people have noticed most of January 6th, 2021, at the Capitol in D.C. was meandering. There was some violence instigated by police. Some people fought back. You can debate whether they should have or not. But for the for the most part, most people didn't even see any of that violence happening. I know I didn't. Yeah, it was an amazing day. And uh, two sides to a story, two sides to a building, two sides to everything. And it depends on which one you focus on as to what you'll see. We, we know this from history and, and so many different examples. But January 6th, brother, the truth shall set you free. I'm excited to get to that day for so many reasons, for so many people, for lives have been destroyed. And and listen, I can't thank you enough for your faith and your walk and your your stance. And, and listen, I know the... Uh, the the pre-trial stuff the the containment the the uh, probationary things were very difficult to to weather for this period of time and i know that you know your your parents have really struggled with that with you and and your whole family man has just rallied i can't express my gratitude to marie and and you know for all the work that she's done for j6 as well but just rock and roll brother we're with you and i just wanted these people to understand that you know, you you did walk into the building, uh, unattended doors, no police, door open. You walk in, thirty seven seconds. 
you know, they asked you to walk out and you did. And, and now 60 days in jail, you already served 21. So you've got to go back in and serve 39, but you already did a year on house arrest. So you can't even go in your yard. I mean, it's ridiculous what these people have put you in and through for walking in a building and walking back out, no signage, no police, no warnings. And, and they want to, you know, call you an insurrectionist and say that you're a proud boy when you're not you made a proud boy post a long time ago big deal i did too at uh, the same post and they didn't come after me so it's all the same and i just want to tell you how proud i am for you standing strong and true in the face of all the lies and and all the lawyers and all the court cases and everything that you've been instrumental for stop hate in helping all these people and, and could not have done what we've done without you and you'll be sorely missed for all 39 days hopefully it won't take that long maybe it will but you know either way you look at it man you're loved and you'll be dearly missed well i'm very much looking forward to having this all behind me i imagine you are so everybody go to stop find daniel's picture go help him out give him some love and support listen he's got immense fees stacked up from these legal costs the lawyers aren't free all these things and it adds up two and a half years. It, it decimates these families, what little savings they have, what retirement they had, you know, any kind of little savings is gone and, and they need help. And look, five bucks a piece from a bunch of people adds up. That's all I'm saying. 10 bucks a piece. If you can, if you're in a position to do a hundred, do it or more a car payment, a truck, whatever these people are hurting. They really need help and everything they've done, they've done for you. So just know that. And, and, you know, act accordingly, step up, be in the gap for these folks, support them through this time, especially Daniel. He's so important, such a hero. And what he did in that courtroom was get up there and just lay the law out. I was so proud to, to listen to the way that he addressed the court and the judge telling them that they're wrong about the events of January 6th, that there were actual murders by the police that took place that day that have not been investigated whatsoever. I'm, I'm just, I couldn't be more proud of you, Daniel. And like I said, we'll miss you a whole bunch, but we'll be in touch and I can't wait for you to get back and we'll do great things again, brother. Yeah. And speaking of those great things we'll do, I think people need to know, especially January 6ers, or if anybody in the audience knows a January 6er, me and David can help investigate and find the exculpatory evidence for you but you got to come to us and ask us. So if anybody knows a J6er or is a J6er, come and talk to us and we will try to find that evidence for you to help you out in court. We can't promise the judge will let it in for the jury because sometimes they're uh, too corrupt for that. But hopefully, uh, you know, we can do our best and try and uh, let the truth set you free. Amen, brother. And people, let this be an example to you. We just told you Daniel's going to jail on Thursday. And here he is saying, we want to help more people. That is self-sacrificial. That is working for the team and the greater good and for the kingdom. We all need to be more like that. And listen, if you focus on other people's problems more than your own, your, your problems disappear in so many ways. And we forget that we live for ourselves and try to live our best lives and be in the moment and get the best we can get and all that stuff. If you have your priorities, right. If you're doing kingdom work and God's business, this is what it looks like. So Daniel, I love you, brother. I'm sure we'll talk again here in a little while today. Good luck on your other uh, uh, shows and stuff today. I, I really hope that the public embraces you and your story and, and this whole situation and that you come out stronger and bigger. Let's work on that book, brother. All right. God bless. Thanks, Daniel. Have a great day. Well, Tamara, that was very fun. And listen, welcome to Connecting the Dots again. And uh, 
you know, I know that you've worked alongside Daniel, you know, for the last couple of years as well. You've been on the StopHate.com team as well, or as we call it now, the Stop Hate Investigative Team, S-H-I-T. That's our acronym. Um, but listen, Daniel is such a trooper. Uh, tell us about your experience with him and, and how you feel about this whole thing. I didn't even know I was muted. How about Technology, that? man. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a professional at this. Oh, so. yeah. We're so good. Um, yeah, I kept wanting to interrupt while you were talking to Daniel because I'm like, oh, oh, like Horshack, right? Because um, I, you know, thought of things as he was talking because I have been with you and the team since J6 and worked closely with Daniel. And what a privilege and honor that has been. Uh, you're so good to include me in that shit team. Maybe it's because you have lack of volunteers wanting to sign up for the SHIT. <laughs> <laughs> There's always that. I think a lot of people like it, but it's growing. <laughs> it's, uh, it is what it is these days, right? Uh, it's appropriate. <laughs> um, but Daniel, great kid. Um, I call him a kid because he's a young man, obviously, Um very articulate, very well-spoken, very principled, and very focused. Like, that's one of the things I appreciate with Daniel is he never loses sight of the essential truths in all of this. And he stays committed to those and doesn't get distracted by, you know, he's not one of those squirrel guys like, oh, you know, going that way. He's just been on it, that it was, you know, why we went there on J6, what his purpose was. Uh, what he was able to document as part of your team, and then why that needs to be out to the public. Uh, that is truth. That tells the whole story. And I consider you and then Daniel right next to you because he's like your little mini me in many aspects of the work that you have done together is that you are probably the leading, maybe not even probably, I would, I would say you are the country's top expert on all things January 6th with the extensive investigation that you've done with the depository of document video evidence all around the day and then everything afterwards that, you know, and I know you were recently in Congress and uh, thought you were going to maybe get to speak, but your, uh, your lack of speech spoke volumes, right? I believe it did. You know, I, I didn't drive from Texas to D.C. on an invitation from a hearing committee to just get an honorable mention. I went to tell some truth and to have part of that conversation and was denied quite harshly in my opinion. But, you know, there's different ways to look at that. I think it scares a lot of people because now it's just a question as to what I have and what I know and what I have, you know, uh, access to and what I'm willing to use. Uh, so it's not all bad, but it's bad for our J6ers because it delays the truth that much longer. I don't know when the next hearing is. I don't know if there will be another one. I don't know anything. So I like to, you know, strike while the iron is hot and get the points on the board. But, you know, talking about Daniel, I have learned so much from that kid, as as we call him, because he's half our age or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. They're younger than us. It's a different generation thing. Yeah. But I have learned so much from him about myself even and and temperament and mannerisms and how to keep my cool and how not to chase rabbits and you know we we learn from each other we teach each other but you know daniel and i we started uh, 2019 i guess um 
back during the demand free speech rallies that we were doing with uh, our different friends around the country. We did one in DC, one in Florida, one in California. And, uh, you know, Daniel was instrumental in that as well. He understands the basics of free speech, the whole tenement. So it's an amazing journey to watch where that conversation went from us complaining and trying to sound the alarm about you know, censorship. Now we see the effects of all that censorship through COVID, through the election, through all the fraud, through the lockdowns and the masking, everything that we saw, the censorship of our voice was probably the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the most important issue that we couldn't get the right medical procedures out. We couldn't get you know, information to our people through the censorship. And it's more than social media. It's what people didn't understand right. during the demand free speech days. It's not Twitter and Facebook. It's not just these social media platforms. It's your banks. It's Airbnbs. It's, you know, your job, honestly, anything electronic, you know, Lyft, Uber Eats, all those different things, getting around transportation, you just can't do it. And, and this whole censorship thing has fallen all around us on January 6th. Of course, the left pushes one fairy tale version of what they wish had happened or what they wanted to happen or what they tried to force to happen on January 6th. And then there's the truth. And that's what we try to show people. And it's not about my opinion or my feelings or, or how, it, where it hurts, you know, point and show me. It's not about that. It's about video. It's about witnesses. It's about truth and timeline. And, and that's the essentials and the basics that, that censorship has, has kept from getting to the public, and that's what keeps our J6ers in prison. Guys like Stuart Rhodes that didn't go in the building, that were willing to do whatever his commander and chief said, that is not a bad thing. You know, you, you should be willing to do what your commander in chief, the president of the United States, tells you to do. You know, three million people did. They showed up in D.C. This guy's down here waiting for an order. Just give us an order, sir. And we'll do whatever you want us to do. That's not a bad thing. And yet he sits in jail for 18 years, didn't even go inside the building, didn't do anything violent, didn't hurt anybody, didn't vandalize, didn't steal, didn't do anything. 18 years. 18 years in prison for Stuart Rhodes. And now they're trying to go back and get terrorism enhancements because 75 years old isn't old enough. They want him to have an extension on that 18 years. It's pathetic. We see all these enhancements. It's what happened to Matthew Perna. It's why he hung himself in his garage. He had already taken a plea. He said, okay, I'll bend the knee. I just want out of this. And the government came back and said, yeah, I think we're going to add some terrorism enhancements and it could double your sentence. And he said, no, you're not doubling anything. I'm out. And that's the reality. We've had at least a dozen suicides documented a dozen. That's the ones we know about. I'm sure there are more that we don't know about, but the pressure from this federal government is unbearable. When you know, like Coy Griffin said, you're getting punished for something you know you didn't do. That's a horrible feeling in the first place. Now look at going to prison for six years or eight years or 10 years for something you know you didn't do. You're going to miss your children. Your pets are all going to die. You know, I mean, what angle do we need to put on this for the public to understand what it means? I like the pet angle because I love my dog. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be put in jail and know I'll never get to pet my dog again. Yeah, my dog will die before I get out of prison. The That's a horrible, horrible thought. That's not even putting it on 
people like children and spouses and right. aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews. This is just the pets, people. And how bad is that? So imagine being in that position and waiting for help that never showed up. These people are desperate for your support. And hey, it sounds good. And hey, click and like and share helps. But $5, $10, write a letter and tell them you're proud of them and that you're going to stand with them and you're going to adopt them through this and send them 10 bucks a month until they're out of prison. Just a little something to try to help their family a little bit because it's still going to affect the wife. It's still going to affect the children. It may affect their children. This is a generational curse by our government because once you're socially terrorized appropriately, it sticks. Listen, we've got defendants right now whose wives are trying to get into the workplace because the husband's can't anymore incarceration or otherwise and people won't hire the wives because they're related to a j6er and they don't want the publicity they don't want people doxing their business and calling them and saying you're hiring these criminals so they can't get jobs or they get fired from their jobs over and over and over we're seeing this so there's so many issues tamra yeah it's irreparable harm um having gone through some of it And it is generational because those kids, you can't like freeze tag back in the day where you could freeze and then, you know, stop in the game and then you tag them again and then you pick right back up where you left. That's not what happens in this context. You cannot put the kid's childhood on hold and say, okay, wait till all these awful grown up, grown ups figure this all out and then we'll come back and then you get to live your childhood as you deserve as a kid. No, it, it is traumatic for these families and that trauma and all of the fallout from it will have repercussions in the years ahead. Now, can we support that? Can we change that from being a horrible, awful outcome that's unavoidable because of what they've gone through. Yes, that is where our community needs to come around these people and say, you know what? We understand the righteous anger that you are feeling of this wrong being imposed on you when your intentions on January 6th were honorable, they were constitutional, they were patriotic, they were not uh, malicious, they were not vindictive, any of those things that they're trying to make it. That is not why those millions of people went to J6 on that day. It was to support President Trump because he asked his his base to be there. And we showed up in numbers that, that couldn't be lied or denied. And it was to grieve our government, redress them for the problematic at best uh, election at least problematic at worst fraudulent criminal all of that so so for this to have become the narrative and that's what I appreciate about what you did with writing history first documentary out right on J6 you got the truth the actual video footage out uh, to show the people wait a minute what you're hearing in mainstream media, what this unselect committee is trying to do here, it's not the truth. It's it's their agenda, which was 
And again, people need to remember, go back, we get away from things. We are so bombarded by the constant media cycle of the news um, to keep us from ever really sinking our teeth into one issue. Go back to January 6th, the, the pretext for that, as you and I have discussed often, but it needs not to be forgotten, is that COVID was used, the lockdowns, the mail-in ballots, the uh, psychological warfare on uh, vaccine mandates of losing your job because you won't get a shot, compliance. Okay, now you're losing your job because you you stood up for your constitutional rights. Oh, no, 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 those are rights that you don't get to choose to exercise. We're going to grant them according to our agenda. And and then, so that was all back to what was the buildup to January 6th, the election, no, COVID. Go ahead. No, you're, you're right. And, and what's interesting, I mean, there's, no, there's so many reasons. So many reasons and people. So when I testify in these court cases and I witness these trials and I'm, you know, involved with the lawyers and the defendants, these are some of the arguments that you hear. And, and, and listen, there were many reasons. No, everyone didn't show up for Trump because of the election. Some people showed up because of the mandates, the lockdowns, the COVIDs, the this, the that, the unemployment, they lost their job. They they had to shut their business down. There were so many reasons. I was even watching an interview with one of my friends yesterday or the day before, and the interviewer, she, she said something about people from other countries had come to America for this rally, or they were there for the rally. And he was like, what? People from other countries? This is where our friend Mark Sutherland comes in so handy. He's from Britain, but he has a different perspective than we do because he's outside of the family looking in basically and not stuck in the drama to where you can't really see what's going on. And, and that's that's his perspective. And, and he's quick to say what's going on, you know, uh, from where he sees it. That's different because people don't always have the opportunity to, to have a different perspective, especially around January 6th. So what you see in the media and what's actually true, of course, are different. And hopefully through this Trump thing, they will see more of that. But that's the thing. There were so many different reasons. And, and one of the things in these court cases that these prosecutors keep trying to stress is all the signs that said, stop the steal and everybody chanting, stop the steal. Oh, well, you were there to stop the steal. Yeah. But what they have to understand is that is a chant. That is a battle cry for the support to our representatives to do the right thing. That was what that was. We were saying to them, stop the steal. Stop this. It's not for us. We did not go to physically stop the steal ourselves. That's what people have a hard time with. They're seeing what we're saying, and then they're trying to match it to what happened. They're like, well, that's what they were trying to do. They wanted to stop the steal. They would have done anything to stop the steal. So they went and got physical to stop the steal. But that's not the case. And, and, and the verbiage, the terms, the phrases, you know, chanting USA, being a patriot, all that stuff is bad now. I, I can't see that it is. But I think we approached the election in somewhat the wrong way instead of saying, Hey, there was voter fraud and, and, and then the burden of proof is on us to show the fraud, which is difficult because it's multifaceted. It's every single level that adds up. So you might do this part, but you got this part, this part, this part, there's a lot to it. Whereas if we'd have gone and said, look, we have product liability issues. We don't think the machines work correctly. We think this count is wrong based on the functionality of your equipment, please prove to us 
that it works, how it works, show us that it works, or we're going to have to toss this election. We didn't approach it that way. And, and I believe that could have been a difference. Uh, I don't know that it would have been the big difference, but us having to prove the fraud proved almost impossible on that grand level. Now, I know it's it's provable in so many ways. I'm not saying it's not. Well, but- because that's what, what information has come out. Like when we went, you know, for J6, we didn't have all the uh, voting analysis. I mean, and and it's easy to forget where we were then to where we are now of all the information that has come forth since the 2020 election. <laughs> I had to think of my dates as like so much. Where are we? What day is it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. With so much. But, but all that has come out. So... We now stand in a different spot, and yet the government has not backed down from this J6 prosecution because in spite of all the truth, they are doubling down and making sure that the J6 narrative holds. And I'd like to hear your thoughts maybe on it. Is it because what do we do in 2024? Boy, that's a great question. I don't think we should go to D.C. I'm just saying, I, I don't know that that would be the <laughs> We did that last time, and you see what it got us. That's where they want us. You know, a lot of people say J6 was for January 20th so that we wouldn't have an opportunity to keep Biden from being installed. They had to have an excuse to have these fences up. They had to have... You know how fast those fences were up in like a couple of hours after January 6th. Do you know how much planning goes into getting those kind of materials and that kind of construction project? Go- I'm in construction, by the way, so I might know something about that. It takes more than five minutes to go. And yet we had fences up in, in you know, no time, no time. They were ready for that. It was part of the plan. Um, you know, I don't know how it plays out. I, I really don't. I don't know. Because I'm like everyone else that says, is there enough of a percentage of the population that knows or cares? And and right now it's up to us to try to spread those numbers and grow them and multiply them. <laughs> and that's the hard part. We're we're just message wise, censored, shadow banned, the whole thing. And I have questions for people because my Twitter account, it doesn't show on the little test that you do that it's shadow banned. But every single person messages says, I can't see your stuff anymore. You know, I have to go and look for your stuff. It's not going out. It's it's definitely banned in some way, shape, or form. And yet you have these huge conservative voices that don't suffer from any of that. And, and that, to me, is very suspect to know that there are some people that are supposed to be on our team that say some of the same stuff that have free reign. They never get banned. They never get blocked. They've got huge, huge followings somehow when they're really not that cool of people, in my opinion. And yet they never get the shadow ban. They never get the censorship. And I put out movies about J6. I put out articles and documentaries, the whole team. And we don't have any kind of reach. We don't have any kind of real, you know, we've had, what, a quarter of a million views on our first movie that's two years old. That's nothing. Candace Owens gets that when she goes sneezes somewhere. You know, it's just, it's sad, but that's on us too. I appreciate about the audience here on Connecting the Dots and why we do shows like this and why we persevere with the message because there's, there's this, layer of noise going on and talk and influencers and everything. And there's a lot to be learned from that. 
but the real action is down in the grassroots with the people. I mean, it, that's, and, and we aren't censored if we talk to our neighbor, to our community, and to those that we have an opportunity to get the truth out. Now you have to know where to go to get truth, um, to be able to be an informed community member, an informed neighbor that you can within your sphere of influence say these things and raise these questions, you know, and talk about them. And and yet it is it is a frustration because those of us who care about the constitutional principles and about our country and um it seems on the platforms that it's harder to get that message out now. I think having been involved in the in when Twitter and Trump back in 2015, 2016, you and I happened to be, you know, a God thing maybe, or just the way life turned out. We were in that group of influencers that we would strategize about what what hashtags we were going to trend. We moved the needle. We were able to use the social media platforms in a way that I believe the left and the rhinos, uh, the Uniparty, did not anticipate in terms of our getting behind, behind Trump. And this is part of, I'm speaking the part out loud of what I hope to work into the book that I keep talking about writing, that we talk about writing, um, is that the way that we approached 2015, 2016 using social media, we were able to dominate and to be very, very effective. They caught on to that. By 2018, they sort of had, you know, censored some of us. They had uh, gotten a way to kind of uh, throw some some roadblocks, throw some nails on a road, so to speak. By 2020, they had it drilled down to where we were stopped, literally, by their roadblocks of trying to work together. Uh, in the earlier days, I call them the earlier days, now back to 2015, 2016, we, um, there was sort of a level playing field. Somebody who was a nobody could put out great content, and then you rose to the top, right? Or you were able to build a following. The golden rule of Twitter back in the day of, I'll follow you back if you follow me, right? Do unto a, Tweet unto others as you want them to tweet you. And that worked. And there was uh, effectiveness in the exponential reach of tweeting, of messaging, of reaching out to the other platform. That was one of the core elements of the pardon plan now, and we were able to leverage that throughout the whole Flynn trial of keeping his story at top of page. Now, uh, I feel like in 2024, we're about a year and a half out from that. We don't have the same opportunities now on social media that we did back in 2015, 2016. So we have to pivot. We have to be able to look at, okay, our audience here on Connecting the Dots, they were probably engaged to some extent in that social media sharing and retweeting, reposting online. I think now we need to look at it differently because they've segmented, they've uh, divided all of the unity within the social media platforms and made it more difficult to communicate. But we have to look at it now take it offline back to on the ground. That's my thoughts. Well, you're you're exactly right. I think our, our late friend Pat Scopoliti would agree that's been our our leaning 
is to take it to the streets, take it to the city council meetings, the school board meetings, the local, 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 like Flynn said. I mean, that's exactly what it is. But I don't think people really understand this sounds great, you know, what you're saying and, and, and hey, moving the needle and, and all that stuff, regular people. But but let's just go ahead and, and explain exactly what that means. Tamara Lee, Pat Scopoliti, Josh Macias, myself, a, a handful of people literally on Twitter had, what, 50 rooms with 50 people. And all they did all day long was retweet the important analysis, the important information, the stories that did exactly what Tamara said. They keep the they kept the Flynn story in front of people. And listen, it's it's no little thing. What I'm saying is there have been articles written about that movement. Tamara has them that that talk about a third of the conversation or more around General Flynn was was generated by this group. Now you can't change history any better than that. You can't help educate people anymore. You, you know, when it worked, it worked. Right. But during that same period is when we were saying the censorship is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And then we see during the Trump thing, the whole January 6th, all these people lose half of their followers. The censorship's out the roof. Yeah, I and then, it off. January and, then, and then we see Elon come back. And this is where we are now is is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because on one hand, I want to say that they opened up Twitter so that everyone can voice their opinion so they can be put on a list. So there's always that. We've seen them do these things before where they give you the rope and you hang yourself. They give you the freedom of speech and then they use it against you. And I'm telling you right now in these court cases in D.C., they're using all your social media posts. They're using your Twitter and your Facebook and your texts and your secret chats and all your different stuff that they can use to try to vilify people. So it's a real problem that I have with Twitter because it's still, uh, you know, overrun by FBI agents. We go in these Twitter spaces to try to have conversations. And all it is is an opportunity for the FBI to find more J6ers, identify them, put them on the list. We've had over a thousand arrests. They want 1,200, 2,000 more, over 600 pleas. Got about 130 people in prison right now. Probably more than half of them haven't even been to court yet. You know, it, it, it's a really amazing amount of censorship that still goes on to where the American public, by and large, doesn't know anything about J6ers. And I'd still say seven out of 10 people don't even know J6 happened. They don't know what it means. They are that unengaged or disengaged. And I think that's the other problem in this <laughs> in this quotient, in this variable that we this math problem that we have is that times are changing and social media changes and all these different platforms change and the way we get our information and share our information changes. And, and we have to modify that. Tamara's right. We need to be in the street doing the door to door stuff, you know, and listen, that goes on election levels too. And one thing, Tamara, that I've been telling people, if you'll organize locally and decide who you want your leaders to be, instead of settling for those little bubbles they give you, where they've already picked the two choices because right. they like them both. And if that's not what you want, you're out of, you know, you're just out of luck. You know, there's the right in line. And if your whole community got together and said, no, we want Bill Jones. Bill Jones is our guy. We don't like any of those other two meatheads. We want Bill Jones. Everybody can make that happen. 
it's your power. It's your right. And it's the power of the pen. And that's the way it works. You know, hopefully on one hand, we, if Trump doesn't make it on the ballot, he can make this announcement for us and, and make people in the country understand, Hey, if you still want me for president, write my name in the bottom. Oh, and by the way, that goes for every single, uh, you know, office, from president down to dog catcher. I mean, if it's an electable position, you don't have to settle for the lesser of two evils like we've done all our lives. You don't have to settle for their choices. You need to organize locally, decide for yourselves, write it in, make it happen. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Trump will tell you, if you write his name on the bottom of that ticket, it kicks it out of the electronic count, has to be a hand count. So you're beating the machines, you're beating their choices, you're just beating them all to death, and it's a good feeling. And and I believe that we can peacefully take this country back with some real uh, organization. If we had a website that people could go and register and say, these are all the people that I wrote in and tally the votes ourselves, then when the media comes out, well, Bob Jones only got 5,000 votes. Well, our database says he got 8,000, so we need an immediate recount before we move a step forward. There are checks and balances. We don't have to play their game forever. We can use their system against them. There are still loopholes, but we have to take action. That's the thing we keep talking. That's what I miss Pat about. Pat was the action guy, Scopoliti. He worked it. And, and people are, you know, unfortunately lazy. They want to be served. They want a, a microwave society. And we see what that's gotten us. And now we have to work that much harder to get back to where we were. But will we? Well, we were as a country. I mean, there is the part of America that we just want to live our lives, right? And we think we can do that under this idea, this concept of liberty and our constitutional rights. And we think those are all well and good and in place and protected until they aren't. And you find out the reality of it, like the J6ers, is very different. Due process, for example, um, the rights, your free speech. Well, it's not really free if it can be used against you. And you say it within a context of you thinking you have a right to voice your opinion. And then that comes back and it's used against you, as you said, criminally. So I think part of this getting out to our neighbors, getting out to our communities is trying to get them to understand uh non-action is action that they are allowing the the rights that we hold dear to be taken away by those who are very busy at it and will stop at nothing so I, i think that's part of it and it's unfortunate because what really the blessing of being free is that you're able to enjoy your liberty you're able to live your life have your family work hard enjoy your free time. It's exhausting to be involved in the political fight. It's not fun. And I tell you, we've all been duped to believe that that pursuit of happiness, they should have left it the ownership of property and given some people some real priorities. But this pursuit of happiness thing, it robs us of what the constitution was written down for. It's the ability to do the right, the freedom to do the right thing. Not the freedom to be lazy and worthless and mean and cruel. If you're that, you're misusing your freedom. And and, and this is the thing to help people. And, and Tamara's right. This is a very tiring job. It's not rewarding in enough ways to make it 
worthwhile some days. And yet we <laughs> trudge on because well, we have to, because people deserve better. People deserve the truth. It would be easier for me just to go back to swinging a hammer all the time and not have to do shows or calls or travel or testify or put myself in harm's way. And that's another thing. You talk about people's rights. You know, the, the free speech thing's big, but you can't talk about the First Amendment in your trial, even though the reason you went is to protest and to make your voice heard. You can't say that in your defense because they have to remove your intent and interject their own intent that you went to overthrow this fragile democracy of theirs, which it's not, it's a constitutional Republic. We know that, but the, you were there to overthrow the government. You were there to stop the steal physically. You're an insurrectionist and that's what they do. So when I go to these trials to testify for these innocent people, the judges two out of three times have said, do you realize that if you testify today, we might, might file criminal charges on you? for testifying in a trial, for being a witness to something, for experiencing a moment in history, you may throw me in jail too, for telling you what I witnessed and experienced. When the FBI has already determined I'm not a person of interest because I never went past a certain point, never went on the building or in the building, I stayed in the grass, documented, videoed the whole thing. But these judges, are they not aware that the FBI has been to my house half a dozen times? Do they not know I've interviewed with them by myself and with a lawyer? Do they not have any clue that I've already been determined uh, not important for the day? They don't care. They want to put charges on me because I'm testifying for these people and giving them an opportunity to have a witness. And, and that's a unique position as well. I, I don't think people understand when you stand before that judge, and they say, I want you to know, we may file criminal charges on you if you testify and, and say, no, I understand. I, I still want to testify. So you are waiving your Fifth Amendment rights. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if that's what you have to do. And then you get on the stand and then the prosecutor says, do you know body, anybody else that went inside that hadn't been charged? Like, yeah, I sure do. Um, Michael Leroy Bird killed Ashley Babbitt and he didn't get charged. Uh, you know, Lila Morris was in the tunnel and she killed Roseanne Boyle and she didn't get charged. These are police that killed protesters, but they don't want to hear that. And, and I don't go there with them because it just, maybe I will next time. You know, it, it's really sad that they try to box everybody in and use this verbiage. They had Daniel who was on earlier with us. They have him down as a proud boy, you know, they, a self-proclaimed proud boy because he put a post out that that was a proud boy meme. I put the same one out. They didn't call me a proud boy, but they wanted to talk about him during the impeachment trials by name, Daniel Goodwin, self-proclaimed proud boy, all this stuff. And I'm like, the kid walked, walked in the building for 37 seconds and back out. And you want to talk about him in the impeachment trial on Trump and Coy Griffin and Enrique Tario, my friends, I know these people and I know what you're saying about them. Mr. Government is a lie because I've known him. Why? Why is being a proud boy a bad thing? Well, because they do the job that the police won't do. They back the people when the police won't. They defend people when the police won't. They'll stand up and fight against Antifa and BLM when the police will let BLM and Antifa knock your teeth out. Ask our friend Philip Anderson. So we have a history that's well established. I've worked the rallies. I've seen the terrorism threats from Antifa threatening our group with acid bombs. And they said, we're going to 
get the muriatic acid. We've got the acid, we've got the wax, and we've got the balloons. So that means you put muriatic acid, you mix it with wax, you can't wash it off. Wax. Can't just rinse it off. Then you put it in a balloon, a balloon, and you throw it into a crowd. And they said, we are going to blind your speakers. I should imagine muriatic acid on your eyeballs probably burn a little bit, right? So they're threatening us literally on social media. I drew them out. I just kept egging it on, egging it on, and they gave us everything. When I turned that over to the FBI, they said, how did you get all this stuff? I said, dude, I'm a carpenter. What do you do for a living? Why can't y'all get some of this stuff? Why can't you put these criminals in jail? They're threatening our right to assemble. They're threatening our free speech. They're threatening our safety. They're threatening our health. Uh, people could die from this. And the police, what did they do? Nada. The FBI, what okay. did they do? They're Nada. afforded their free speech, right? Yeah. I mean, until they would act on that, it's somewhat, we would, you know, that's that double-edged sword of arguing for protection of free speech. If they, they threaten to do it, it's just, you know, is it real, is it not? However, um, for the audience, when you talk about these things, that are very real and have occurred. And Philip did get his teeth knocked up. There's a trend on show. I don't know if the YouTube took it off. Can't remember if we were on Rumble then. Anyway, um, part of the censorship, but it is hard. It is overwhelming and intimidating for the average American, for the guy in the neighborhood, for the the mom and you know, single mom trying to just get our kids and figure out school and what's going on there um, and daycare. Those There's so many things in real life that then you look at how difficult your life could be. They're like, I, I can't do that. I can't take that risk. I can't. So, so we give up a few rights. Okay, just let me live in peace. How do we counter that? Man, that's the question. I mean, you see the founding fathers there. I'm asking more questions today. Yeah, well, and that's good. That's what I think people need to hear because this is what's going through folks' minds. This is the reality of what's really going on. What are we going to do? Is there hope? Are we doomed? Is China going to march in here and spank us for the next 40 years? Are we the people in the wilderness now? You know, is this the thing or is it the second coming, or is it this, or is it that? I mean, people are going nuts. Is the financial system, you know, what's it going to be? Or are, are we shutting down the American corporation? I mean, there's so many different arguments and fears that are, you know, well-founded. I'm not going to say, look at the the child issues, the pedophilia, the trafficking, the, the border issues. What people need to understand is two things. It's an attack on all fronts, Mm-hmm. because it has to be because that's how we're weakest and that's how we're vulnerable if we're strong here we're weak here we got to move resources into it. so it's an attack on all fronts the second one is there is hope and i don't want people to lose sight of that as long as we're breathing and fighting and living there's hope that we can do something about it but it takes action that's what we keep going back to back to back to and not everybody has to be a superstar running back and, and take the ball and run down the field and do it we need blockers. We need tackles and guards and ends and receivers. And, you know, there's so many parts to the body, but you have to do something like Tamara said, if you're not doing anything, you're part of the problem. That's the truth. And look, this country wasn't founded by 97% of the people. It was founded by that 3%. And, and, and literally we're at what, two, 
maybe two percent we we need more i mean honestly it, it's almost discouraging to say it like that but it's the reality that we live in and i'm okay with that listen i'll fight the fight i'll, I'll do the battle stuff i'll be out in the street for people i don't mind support me support me and i'll fight for you, you can sit in your couch and eat your popcorn just throw a couple bucks over here once in a while keep my gas money going help me out and i'll keep fighting in the street i'm not scared but people need to understand who do you live for? Is it kingdom work to you? Is it God first or is it America first? Because I have a big problem with America first because it should be God first. So when we get our priorities right, I, I think we'll be in a lot better place. But that's an individual soul searching thing a lot of times. Uh, I'll tell you right now, like I tell everybody else, Tamara, your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Everybody's going to die. I don't know if it's going to be COVID or a heart attack or a bus is going to hit you, but everybody dies. Please get that right before you die, because that is eternal. It's the most important relationship you could ever have to understand that you have a purpose and meaning and that God loves you. So fix that. If you need help with that, call me or, or a friend or a pastor or something. We'll, we'll talk about that. That's the first thing. And I think America's fallen off from that years and years ago, living for ourselves, take prayer out of school, take prayer out of everything, God ever out of everything. And now we're seeing what's happening, the destruction of the family unit, the the whole agendas, whether woke or whatever you want to call the trans stuff. Now we have Trantifa, where where Antifa is saying that anyone. I think Andy No put a a post out the other day that said Trantifa something about anyone that's against the trans ideology should be maimed or removed or killed or whatever. That's the mentality of these crazy people. Bless their hearts, but we need to bring back institutions and use them and fill them up and get people some help. And it's not the big pharma that needs to fix this problem because they're probably the reason we're in this mental right. health issue in the first place. Everybody's chemicals are off whack. But the thing that we need more than a civil war or more than Trump as president or anything is grace and forgiveness until we can look at our fellow citizen again and say, I trust you. I love you. We're here to work together for one common goal. And that's a better place for our children and our future. We have to get back to the basics like that, or we're not going to make the cut. And that's a serious accusation or statement or whatnot, but I mean it. And, and I think we've seen enough evidence, especially in the political scene today with Trump getting his indictment I don't know if slippery slope is even a good word, Tamara, because it seems to be a free fall at this point. Well, I think Daniel touched on it a little bit of our God-given rights and our constitution based on our freedom. And, and people need to understand that correctly. And a great place to go on understanding the Declaration of Independence is a book by David Shostokas that he laid out the the Declaration of Independence and how key that document is to really uh, giving us our freedoms and protecting them. But our free will that God gives us is the greatest gift that he gives us. It's not a gift without responsibility. And I think that's what a lot of Americans, they want the assumed rights without any of the responsibility. But it used to be that you were raised, that there came responsibility with those rights. And it reminded me of um, Romans 6 of Paul when he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So we don't use our liberty as a means to sin or go against God, 
but that is the um the freedom is the space that he's given us to choose to do right Amen. choose to serve him choose to protect our country choose to use those rights responsibly and i think we have gotten away from that as a society and our culture intentionally and there's so much out our audience here i'm sure is the more informed you follow this you've done your due diligence you've seen the cultural and societal progression away from god away from our constitutional our first principles of the founding of our country and how those were the framework and foundation for how we lived and now that's all been, you know, it's like the termites that have eaten the building. As a carpenter, you would know what destruction that can have because you've weakened the bones of your house. And if you don't have that, the whole thing is going to collapse. And, and that's where we are. So how do you how do you fortify the structure? You know, and I used to think when Trump came in as a builder, um, developer, my ex is an architect, so I learned about building and structure and all that stuff. And and I think he uh, there was a wrecking ball that needed to be taken to the Democrat Party. Just knock it out. <laughs> Wipe it out. We're going to build new. I think with the Republican Party, it was more of an approach of a renovation. Okay, let's keep the bones of it, you know, the structure of the building, the steel frames, and then it needs to be gutted and rebuilt in a way that is authentic to its original structure. Well, it's interesting, especially from a builder's perspective. Um, I will tell you, a remodel is much more expensive than a rebuild, you know, if you were just to start over. And I'm the start over guy. I love the Constitution. I love our system. I love the way it works and the way it functions when it functions properly. I know there's a lot of fluff and stuff that we can, I'm sure, uh, fix in it. But I'm not about throwing the Constitution out, of course. I'm not about throwing the government out, of course. I, I want to throw the crooks out of the government. And I don't know if Americans are brave enough for that. You know, it's almost not to be mean or cruel or hateful or anything, but it's almost like if we brought back tar and feathers, there might be serious enough repercussions and ramifications for these politicians to actually do something that represents us. I was on a show yesterday and I said, you know, I can't think of one politician that sounds like me, talks like me, says the things that I think and, and, and feel and all that. We are not represented. And I think a long time ago, people said no taxation without representation. Now those same politicians want to take our tax dollars and charge more J6ers. They won't defund the FBI. They won't defund the Capitol Police. They won't help the American people. So I think at some point we're just going to have to stop paying them. You hear about the House controls the purse strings to the Senate. Well, who gives the House the money in the first place? That's the people. That's me. I cannot see as a businessman giving money to somebody that wants to put me in jail for the rest of my life for going to protest and exercise my free speech rights because that's a bad look and it's going in a bad direction. Somebody needs to stop it. What are we going to do, Tamara? Well, I think we collectively say no. Uh, we all put up our, you know, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. And we throw the TVs out the window. Um, to Boy, some that would be a great, I'm just saying that would be a great idea. That that would be a great start. Uh, just throw those TVs oh, right. out the window. Of your TV in general. I I think reality TV shows just killed brain cells. You could hear them screaming, dying with that stupidity. But I digress. As a mother, that's how I felt about it. And we're seeing the results of that. 
Um, I think it's a lot of work and it's overwhelming to, to the average person to think, ugh, I don't want to work that hard, but it, you start a little bit at a time and then you get results and you move it in the right direction. I mean, as far as the taxes, I agree with that. We should all close the checkbook and say no, but we can't do that because it's so in intrinsic in our system. We pay the taxes before we ever even see it. So it doesn't even feel like our money because it never really truly is. I think we need to go back to those direct. And you're seeing some of this, right? You're seeing that alternative economy created within the Patriots. You know, I'm going to barter instead of doing that. And the government will try. But if enough of us do it, if enough of us say no or put the pressure on you know, the few that we've seen that are trying to do something. And it's hard to know whether they really are trying or if it's all theater. Uh, we don't know. Um, but I think the accountability has to come and it has to be more than ear tickling or uh, good entertainment to see somebody in Congress get up and bang their fist and make some noise and think, oh, yeah, they're great. They're great. Right. I mean, I think of Trey Gowdy and Ben. Oh, Gowdy. I did too. First one yeah. came to my mind. Was, oh, Trey. <laughs> and, and how did he get rewarded for his role in that circus? Fox News. Fox. Yeah. Him up. yeah. So I, we really need to look at um, I how all that money moves around and what we're funding. And I know there's different groups that do it. And that's the, the challenge of how do you take these bits and pieces of information of like, you know, the tax dollar watchdogs versus like, you know, Turning Point USA, I know has exposed wasteful ways the government spends our money. Um, I think people just need to get involved and start with what no is before you. Well, I think that a lot of people need to put their priorities back in check and think about their children and think about their children's future and think about Let's think about it like this. Are your kids as uh, politically intelligent as you are? Are your kids as experienced as you are? Do your kids understand the pitfalls or, or understand the reality of what's going on and, and the politics and the drama behind that? What kind of position are you leaving them in to fend for themselves? <laughs> if you were hit by a truck tomorrow how would your kid turn out? You know, what are they going to follow? What are they going to do? Are they going to follow the masses? Are they going to stand and speak for themselves? That's really where we are. Priorities are so important. I mean, it's the reason that I started Stop Hate back in 92. My wife was pregnant with my son. We saw the LA riots and we thought we can't live in a world like this. What can we do? Maybe we can help prevent the next one. It's about action, guys. It's not hard to step outside the door. It's a little scary sometimes at first, but the feeling and the reward, that's why I encourage you to go to stophate.com slash J6, write one letter. See how it makes you feel. See if you get a response from one of these guys, because they live for these letters. It's their favorite thing. But, you know, during this 2019-ish, uh, when uh, we did the 2020 and Trump came along and all that, it, it was interesting um, to do the Stop Hate brand, because we changed over to Make America Stop Hate. You know, Trump had this whole... Uh, through his whole election campaign, everything to make America great again, red and white, you know, beautiful. So I thought, you know, what better way to get some attention than to say, make America stop hate in the same font, same red hat, white letters. And you talk about head turners. L listen, this has been 
you know, a God thing because it, it, it gets both people on both sides to really kind of do a little self-analysis. Unfortunately, they do that real time in front of me half the time. You can see it going through their head. You can hear it coming out their mouth sometimes. And it's, it's interesting, but people that do have a problem with hatred, it, it kind of draws them out. It's interesting conversation starter as well for those who choose not to use hate as a first response, but it's that action of doing it, simply putting out a thought or an idea into the world can make such a huge difference. Not that stop hate has affected that many people, but I'm sure our several thousand people that have seen it appreciate it, understand it, uh, can maybe identify it with, you know, a, a little bit even, but until we get that hate problem, you know, it seems to be like I've said forever, the politicians have found ways to politicize everything from any issue. It doesn't matter if it's a political issue or a health issue. It's going to be politicized so that they can divide the public, divide the country right down the middle. We see it every single day, no more so than with January 6th by telling two conflicting stories, actually just telling the one bad story and, and not letting anybody else have access to the truth to, to straighten that out. And then the pain and suffering that goes with that. I don't think that long game, that, that people really understand what's at risk with the verbiage, George Washington University's program on extremism, uh, you know, the domestic violent extremist phrase that that will haunt everyone. Listen, when we came back from January 6th, I said, y'all are next. They got us for nothing. So y'all are next. And everybody said, no, we're not next. We didn't go to J6. We didn't do any crazy stuff. We didn't push any cops. I said, no, 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 you don't have to go to J6. To, to, they're coming after you. And they said, no, they're not. And then those same smart people went to their school board meeting and said, we don't like CRT. And they were so shocked when the FBI banged on their door. And I said, I told you they were coming for y'all, but you didn't believe me. I'm just one of those J6ers that can't be trusted. Well, listen, it's the same thing. It's authoritarian control. You know, they are not going to stop until they have everybody under the thumb. If you speak out against them, you're going down. You can't do that. It's not allowed. And, and we see that over and over again with these J6ers. They start with misdemeanors. And when they tell the prosecution, I'm not going to take your plea deal, they say, okay, then we'll just give you felonies. And we're going to get our pound of flesh out of you. We're going to get our pain and torture and torment. That's exactly what they do. And I challenge people all the time, go look up terrorism in your glossary, in your encyclopedia, in your dictionary on Google somewhere, go look up terrorism look at the definition. It literally says that it's what a government does to people. It's not what people do to the government It's for political gain. And it right. says it's usually done by government to its people. And yet this government over here has been calling us terrorists forever. Do y'all understand how they're doing this word salad, how, how they're switching? Now Patriot's a bad thing. Do you really believe that Patriot is a bad word? I don't. And, and yet we see it in every level from the trans to the gays, to the religion arguments, to everything that we're experiencing now. So it's all the more reason to do what Tamara said, don't sit there like a bump, do something. And it doesn't have to be a lot to get the ball rolling, get some forward momentum, some progress, write a letter, make a call, do something, sing a song. There's simple things to do on our page. There's 15 or 20 different things. 
please pick one. And if you don't like it, if you do something on our calls to action page and you have a horrible experience, please email me and tell me all about it. And I'll do whatever I can to make it better. David at stophate.com is my email. If you want to help in a bigger way, please reach out and let me know. We are looking for supporters for these people. We need lawyers. We are having a hard time. There may be two or three really good lawyers. And, you know, it's hard to find help because they don't want to do that in their own backyard. They still have to work. You know, it's the whole British system, the Bar Association, and they're more worried about their future than our future. So they're not fighting the way that they should for these people's freedom. What that means is for just to explain for the audience, which, you know, you may, you probably understand this, but these, these lawyers, it's their playing field. And so, you know, I look at it kind of like the NFL, all the teams in the NFL have revenue sharing. So they all benefit from all the sales, all of it. So even when they're playing against each other, they're not really playing against each other because they all win in the end. It's their game board. And we just watch it thinking we're watching real sports and athleticism. No, it's not that. And I can't look at things the same way. Um, the the courts run and operate that same way. An attorney is not going to go against a judge who has other cases, probably other cases that he has either more reputation or more financial investment in winning that case. They all play nice in their sandbox because it's their sandbox and they all stay in it. The J6ers or the client come in. You're not their number one priority. They're career, the system is the priority. And so we, uh, on the outside, as Americans think we have our day in court, we think judges are fair. Judges are supposed to rule according to the law. Justice is blind. It is none of those abstracts. The reality and practical matter of it is it's, it's a rigged system, as Trump called it out, and that you have to be able to put one of the levelers of the playing field that we can do as citizens is to put the pressure on. And that's what happened with, with Flynn and, and with Trump. The more indictments, the more Trump's poll numbers rise, right? Percentage points, because people see it. They see it as being used, What what's supposed to be right and functional in our country is weaponized and dysfunctional and the American people are seeing it. And by saying the truth, by calling it out, by holding them accountable, that is how we start to correct and undo that. They'll do things and not because they want to do the right thing, but because they're compelled to do so by the pressure. That's the only reason they do anything right at all, Tamron. Unfortunately, it's like Daniel said this morning, same goes for Trump. Same goes for Trump. Listen, Trump never said anything about Ashley Babbitt until we basically forced him. He didn't say anything about Michael Leroy Bird until we basically forced him. He didn't say anything about any of the other victims until we basically forced him. He finally said something about Roseanne Boyle and, you know, two years later. It's pressure from us because I truly believe that they're saving those murders for their campaign. I just can't see how these propagandists that have the information, which is limited. And I want to tell everybody, yes, there are a couple of journalists that have access to the government film from January 6th, 
but they only have the CCTV cameras and that's the little cameras in the corners of the rooms and in the, you know, hallways and stuff. Those do not have sound. That's just the CCTVs. They don't have sound. They're fixed cameras. So, you know, some of them are adjustable. Now the, the techs were in there moving some around. So there are things that are on the film that are interesting and that are exculpatory, I'm sure. And, you know, when Matt Gates said that they were going to release all the exculpatory video, do that. You know, don't don't release the damaging stuff if you're scared. But we had a hearing a couple of weeks ago in D.C. And, you know, that was what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. We cannot let this video out because we'll have more suicides. And, and listen, let me tell you how wrong she is about what she said. She said, I agree with Julie Kelly that if we released this video to the public, sedition hunters would go after more patriots and that we would have more Matthew Pernas, the guy that killed him, one of the people that killed themselves because of January 6th. I disagree with that. The right. pressure that killed these people that made them commit suicide was not from sedition hunters. It was from the Department of Justice and the FBI. So let's get that right, Marge. It's not sedition hunters. Yeah, they drag people around all the time. But I'm telling you also, the J6ers are not the ones that want you to sit on that video. The J6ers, by and large, want it all released because then you can find out who the bad guys are. And, and all this, oh, we're trying to help people and save lives. BS. Where were you for the last two and a half years for the other dozen suicides? Why do you only talk about one? So it was interesting in that hearing the other day, I have to praise Sarah Maccabee. She is a patriot hero. Her husband, Colt Maccabee, is in, in prison. He's the sheriff that was there that day that tried to help save Roseanne Boylan. He's still in prison. The guards beat the heck out of him. It's a horrible situation, and she is fighting tooth and nail. She's doing public appearances and stuff. She called me the week before that hearing and said, David, I need some help on a speech. I get to give a speech to a hearing in D.C., next Tuesday. I said, well, that's great. I'm going to be there too. And she said, oh, are you going to speak? I said, yeah, I don't, I don't think I am. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, you're down as a witness, but I'm down as a special guest. And for some reason, I don't, I don't think they're going to let me say anything. They've never let me, you know, say anything before. And, uh, sure enough, she got to speak and I didn't Taylor Hansen did, he was next to Roseanne. That's all fine and good. But for whatever reason, Matt Gates stood up there and said, I want to recognize David Sumrall. He's got the biggest collection of video anywhere, you know, second to the to the DOJ or whatever. That's fine. Marjorie Taylor Greene can say the same stuff. I'm not there for recognition. I'm there to work for our people and to tell some truth on C-SPAN, you know, where more of the public can see. Let's talk about the murders and the deaths. Well, back to Sarah Maccabee. Yeah, Sarah, I'll help you with your speech. She said, well, if you could say one thing in there, what would it be? I said, I would probably put them on notice. The 18 U.S. Code subsection 4 says, if you know about a felony, a crime that is considered a felony by the federal court, then you have to report it immediately or as soon as possible, or you could face three, three years in jail and a fine. So the reason I know this so well, I have a friend who worked for an insurance company or a medical business or something. He heard that the bosses were doing some billing things, some tricks with the money. He was like, oh, no, 
I can't be a part of anything like that. So he quit. Now, a couple of years later, the FBI comes and knocks on his door and says, hey, did you work at such and such company? He said, yeah, I used to, man. But I'll tell you what, I heard they were doing some bad things. So I quit. I can't be a part of that. And they said, well, you didn't report it. And it was a felony. So guess what he did? He went to jail for two and a half years for financial crimes, right? That he wasn't a part of, but that he knew. Now let's fast forward to a few weeks ago at the hearing. These are murders by Capitol Metro police officers that have been reported to Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, and uh, several more. Troy Nels, I think, especially was in there. These people are on notice. Now, here's the issue. You can't report these to the Capitol Police. They're the crooks. You can't report them to the Metro Police. They're the bad guys. You can't tell the FBI. They're horrible. So who do you tell? The marshals, the rangers? Who is the investigative body that could take care of this in an unbiased way or in a group setting, kind of a, a think tank type situation? Well, I can sure think the Stop Hate Investigative Team we might be able to help with that because we've got the witnesses, we've got the videos, we've got testimony from people, we've got affidavits, we've got the stories that are there from the day, not from the make-believe storytellers on CNN. So why is it that we're not given a, a voice or a position or a platform or a place at that hearing because it's been hijacked for the election they don't have access to the deaths on what they've given their reporter propagandists. They're waiting until closer to the election, until Trump needs the murders. See, he'll be able to come back and say, what are you, what are you after me for? Y'all are the ones that murdered innocent protesters that, oh, shocker, <gasps> shocker. Well, it's nothing we hadn't been saying for two and a half years, but when somebody else says it, it'll be amazing, I'm sure. So we put the five death article out, Tamara, you helped work on that. And, uh, you know, it tells a story. January, 2022 that yeah. are published. That's how long that information documentation. So there's no misprision on our parts of saying here was murders. They're being reported. Here is the video evidence, at least enough suspicion of a crime to follow up. I mean, right. You can indict a ham sandwich, this is the this is the whole sub. <laughs> That's exactly right. Listen, judges too. There, there. I don't know how many. At least three or four judges have been told in court these are not the true death stories, Your Honor. These need to be investigated. Please make it happen. So I've got judges that are waiting to go to jail. I've got politicians that are waiting to go to jail. I honestly. We did a yellow ribbon program that, that took this book, The American Gulag Chronicles, and put it in the hands of all the Congress and Senate. So all Congress and Senate has this book that has stories from these guys that were right there with Roseanne Boyland, and they tell, they tell you all about it. So if by chance these senators and congressmen read these books, they're also accountable. They know about crimes that were committed and none of them have reported them. I would love to see the people of America say, okay, enough's enough. We're taking all Congress, all Senate, all those judges, all those prosecutors, let's throw them all in jail for three years 
and take our country back. It'll give us three years of peace and quiet. Get all these talking heads and all these lobbyist people, all these crooks out of our system for at least three years. But I tell you, I got one better, Tamara. We were looking at some of that verbiage about uh, Daniel's arrest. And one of the things was talking about the insurrection, the the stopping of an official proceeding that, that, that I think it was the 1712 might've been anyway. I really think the people that stopped the uh, official proceeding were the ones inside the building. Wait a minute. We didn't stop it. Yeah. We didn't stop it. The we pipe bombs, it. the pipe bombs might've stopped a little bit of it, but we're not the ones that stopped an official proceeding. That's the Nancy Pelosi. Those people belong in jail for 20 years. That's what the law says. They stopped an official proceeding corruptly. That's the key word, corruptly. George Bush wasn't going to sign the thing until they had the word corruptly in there to make sure that innocent people couldn't get thrown in the bus. But if your intent was corrupt, which we know all those politicians' intent was corrupt, every single politician should be in jail for 20 years, no less. Tell me I'm wrong, Tamara. Did I read that law correctly? No, and I, Ivan Raikland has pointed that out of... Um the the pence being out of order and allowing uh i mean that he's ivan has really done a great job as you have of breaking down exactly one understanding the jurisdictions understanding of how the uh rules of order where those laws come in of not having quorum of who who interrupted the official proceedings what was at stake with that going forward why they and and why they interrupted it was to be able to not have evidence brought forth that would have been on the record that there was the potential to stop it now there's different you know theories i not conspiracy different ideas of what might have uh been the outcome had things gone you know you can speculate how it might have played out had it gone a different way but with the way that it went, there wasn't quorum. They used the cover of COVID to limit the number of representatives. So there was problems even within the problems of uh, certifying that election that day. And I would agree that the ones who stopped it were those that orchestrated the entire events of J6 to set up the Patriots, to have it play out in the public narrative. It was and you you would be the subject matter expert in terms of, you know, we've seen the video documentary of Nancy's daughter there uh, filming certain things. You saw the, the professional level cameras within the crowds that your film uh, database has been able to put out to the public, things like this to show. This was not some organic, spontaneous, event that played out on J6. So what happened, you know, go back to your basic journalistic questions. What happened? Who done it? Why? You know, and then then you'll get some of your answers of the bigger I, picture. I think it's real easy to uh to get to a certain point sometimes to where that vision is more clear and I think we're getting there the further we get away from it. Okay the more clearly we can see it. And and I think what's doing it for people is learning 
how much was lied about in that sham committee hearing with Dunn and Fanon, total liars, perjured themselves, should be in prison for a long time for that and aren't. That tells you a lot already. But if I promise you, if you could sit through these court cases in D.C., like I and, and several others have, I've testified in them to hear these policemen lie. Let me give you one example. In Joe Thomas's trial, they were trying to accuse him of vandalism. And they said that he took a knife and that he cut that white plastic on the inauguration uh, stage or on the platform there next to the stairs. And that's what they were charging him with. Well, his co-counsel pulled up the video that showed that very policeman take a knife and stab it into that plastic and cut a 50-foot hole all the way down. The cop cut the plastic and blamed Joe for it, and we showed the video where the cop did it himself. Did they reprimand him to custody immediately for perjury? Did they censor him? Did they do any Nothing. Time and time again, we had another witness that got on the stand in Joe's case and said, Joseph Thomas assaulted this policeman, knocked him to the ground, assault charges. Well, when I showed the video in little bitty short pieces, screenshot all the way through, you can see that Joseph never touches the cop. You can see the guy over in the corner that actually pushes the cop down. So they're trying to retrofit all these charges on people and make them stick with still pictures that don't make sense with the video, like John Strand. Over and over and over, these guys are lying on the stand with zero repercussions. Can anyone explain that to me? Well, the loss for the and not for me is the basic premise of that. But again, it all goes into the where we are in America with uh, our judicial system, with our congressional hearings that our tax dollars are paying for this theater that uh, is lack of results. And I don't know how many of you in the audience uh, tuned in at all for the Turning Point USA conference over the weekend. I believe there's the individual speakers are up and you can find the different uh, individual speakers now and just their little, uh, you know, broken up into bite-sized pieces instead of having to listen to, you know, all day Saturday, all day Sunday to the lineup of great speakers. Um, but it was in some aspect entertainment to hear everybody kind of like a pep rally, but what you have to take away from that. So if you listen to say, go back to Megan Kelly and she talked, had a very good interview and it was, you know, a little surprising that Megan had come back in the fold, uh, with Charlie interview. But, um, I would encourage you to listen to that one because she talks about, and this is the problem at first for Americans, we see these problems and we see the double standards. We see the corruption within our own government. And then, uh, the, the us and them, how, and that's discouraging. That can wear you down. Um, but what I appreciate about her position, and she certainly uh, has some some bruises over the course of this political theater the last uh, several years, her show on Sirius XS, um, independently from Fox, is very 
successful. She's gone her own way and able to keep her voice. And she said, talking about the trans and the, the, um, forcefulness with which this agenda has been foisted on our culture and society at first it was, and, you know, David, you and I had talked about this a little bit of, um, it was at first you want to be kind, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic, not hateful to use your premise for things. And we don't want to be that to our fellow American citizens. We believe, you know, live your life how you see fit. That is your freedom. However, all of these under the guise of what we would think of as freedoms have now been weaponized and militiaized, if that's a word, <laughs> such a word, I'll make one up, against our constitutional freedoms and rights and liberties, where no longer is it live and let live. It's, oh, no, you live. And you said that in that trans-tifa um, kind of agenda, how it's ramped up now from being very uh, aggressive against anyone who disagrees, you know, and a, a healthy dialogue, a healthy culture is one word. And that was our first amendment. The devil's advocate plays in a key role in communications and outcomes talk, you know, any corporate communications class will teach you that you need to have the voices who will say, wait a minute, I don't think that's, you know, the way the group is going, let's stop a minute and rethink how that is, is going to play out. You need the devil's advocate for better outcomes. And so I think our voices in this is not to be hateful, but she said when she, uh, with the trans, it was empathetic, sympathetic, you know, get along to go along. Now she's a hard no on it because they started coming for the children and uh, the dangers of what this uh, movement, if you want to call that, this medical agenda is just COVID in another form of these pharmaceutical companies. They don't care if you, the individual, end up sterilized because of these drugs that they want you to take or the medical surgeries. They don't care the havoc it's going to wreak on your personal life, your family, or as a culture. That's their objective is to destroy, destroy, destroy. And so I think part of when we see these things and you have led the way so fiercely, David, with the J6ers. You know, J6ers is just one example of what we're up against and why it's so important to keep speaking truth. And you have to ask people, what is your truth? How do you, do you think it's true that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man? Do you think it's true that there can be chest feeding males? You know, you, you have to challenge people on what they've been told is truth because that is a lie. It's that opposite thing. And you and I talked about when we were getting ready for the show, and I've digressed a little bit down that pathway, but I think it's important and it's relevant because it plays into the bigger picture of getting our voices back because January 6th was to take our voices away. We have to take them back. And part of that voice is to be able to raise a question in a respectful way with someone and say, no, I'm not going to go along with your truth that defies truth. And as we said, it's it's that suicide in a way with the trans movement that is so detrimental is that 
you're taking away who someone was and you are not able to mourn the loss of that person because they've reinvented it in this other person. And your analogy about the divorce um, comes into that. And I, and I think that's those are important small things in our society, but they add up to the bigger picture of what we're up against. Well, I believe that. And, you know, the devil, let's just look at the devil for a minute. Let's just put it in those terms, because most of the people on this show probably appreciate the reality of that word. But would you let the devil in just a little bit? I mean, just a little devil's okay, right? I mean, just a little. I mean, yeah, I know he's bad. I know he's you know steal, kill, and destroy guy. But just a little devil's okay. I mean, just a little. I mean, what can he really do? Just a little. I mean, God's stronger. and Just a little devil. That's where we live. Man, we're okay with it. You know, sin's all right. You know, God will forgive me, all that stuff. There's a priority thing that we really have messed up. We really do. And, and this trans thing, dude, I'm a hard no on that too. Uh, I can't understand the mental illness run amok in the country and people embrace that. But that is the left and heck, a lot of the right now and, and all this convenience and all this stuff. I, I, I really, I have a hard time with that because it's not about being hateful, but it's about survival and it's about the future and it's about history at some point, you know, and, and we're not going to survive that, man. When you're telling people those things and the mental illness is real. And, and unfortunately we were dumbed down as Americans for years and years. Look, social media teaches you that if you speak out, you lose your freedom of speech. So don't speak out. Just go along to get along, you know, and that's what so many people have been trained into doing. And it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it even close to right because it's like John the Baptist. He didn't get his head cut off because he knew who Jesus was or, you know, preached the gospel. He got his head cut off because he stood up against the government and called them out for their sin. That's a pretty hard stance. Yeah. Are you willing to do that? I mean, honestly, when I was a little bitty kid, of course, my dad's a preacher, so I've been thinking this stuff for a long time, you know, wondering, curious, how would people react? Because as a small child, you know, I always knew that you don't deny God or he'll deny you. And and I, I was faced with the the thought, the concept, if they ever came door to door and said, hey, are you a Christian or not? Under the fear of death, you still have to say, yes, I'm a Christian and they're going to kill you. Because if you oh no, I'm not, no, 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 then God's going to not know who you are either. So knowing that, what are people willing to stand for anymore? Are they willing to die for good? Are they willing to die for God? Are they willing to stand for what's right and wholesome? Or is it go along to get along? You know, I love God and all that stuff, but he's not that important anymore to me. Is that how it works? Because on judgment day, I think it's going to switch again. And I think people forget that because of the entertainment, because of the, all the the three M's, the music, the media, the movies that tell us how we feel and think and what our lives are supposed to look like. We get so involved in that, that it's no longer kingdom business. It's not kingdom where it's not us trying to serve other people and, and trying to minister to the body. It's us trying to minister to ourselves. Like so many of these modern churches, as long as they have a really nice coffee shop, we're comfortable there, but I don't want to stay longer than an hour. I got to be home for football. All these things. It, it doesn't make sense to me. People still go through the motions and yet they don't have that personal connection. They don't have that passion that's so obvious in people like Daniel, who's a minister 
all every day of his life, you know, and, and that's his calling. And not that he's a preacher or a pastor, but he ministers to people and he's there for people. And honestly, we need more of that. Like I said earlier, grace and forgiveness, but we don't need that toward the, the people that got us in these problems in the first place. And let me explain. It, it seems as if the Christian population by and large turned the other cheek one too many times about things that we shouldn't turn the other cheek on. Look, in in order to save our 501c3 and get our tax breaks as a church, we'll let bygones be, you know, we, we don't want to rock the boat. You know, we don't want to tell gays they're going to hell or anything. I don't understand. You know, so we have all these problems and people forget that all sin is the same in God's eyes. And yet we stand in judgment because we see someone else's sin as worse than our own. Like none of us are without. Come on. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. It's our nature. It's who we are. It's why we have to ask forgiveness and go through the cycle. I get it. But how can you deny that? And how can you not live your life? It's to me. It's the basics that we talk about all the time. And if you're living for your kids, you're not living for yourself, you're living for their future, you're going to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. Look, I don't want to go to work every single day, but my kids are going to starve to death if I don't. You know, I heard a preacher Sunday talking about, well, you know, are you, are you going to force your children to go to church? He said, well, you know, I get, I get asked that a lot. And, and here's my answer. If I didn't make my children brush their teeth, they'd all have dentures by the time they're seven. So I understand that some things have to be not forced, but heavily encouraged, especially on your children, you know, raise them up in the way they should go, the return, all that stuff. They're going to go other places. They better know how to get back home and to what's right, good and wholesome. That's really up to us. And, and we've let the school systems, we've let the musicians, we've let the news educate our children for us because we're too lazy. You know, we're a microwave society, want it all free and easy, and we just want to be comfortable and, like I said, live our best lives, go on vacations and things. Our priorities are so far out of whack, and it's our fault for falling for the 40-hour work week, for falling for these tax traps, for falling for this governmental system that we call America at this point. We need the hard reboot, and, and I really don't know what that looks like. But like I said, I don't want to overthrow the government. I just want to throw the criminals out of the government. And I think a lot more people identify with that today than they ever have. They're just curious and searching on ways to make that happen. <laughs> no comment. I mean, like, <laughs> yes, I agree. I'm nothing to add or to take away from that other well, than... It's the reality, Tamara. It's the questions. You know, like I said, I got in trouble on that show with the CIA whistleblower, Kevin Shipp, because I said, how and when do the people take the power back? You know, and what does that look like? It's more of a question than anything. I don't want anything violent. I've been very clear on movies and speeches and everything that I do not want a war. I do not want people killing each other. I think the Civil War was the biggest way. So that's not me. So anybody that tries to say I'm a warmonger, you know, whatever. So, but to know that we're at this point, everybody's frustrated. Everybody said, and what I keep telling people, look, there's a, there's a pendulum. We know this political thing, it goes left, it goes right. Well, I, I would disagree with that. I think it's, it's cause and effect. It's, it's not a back and forth. It's a, this happens and that happens. It's just the natural. Well, 
what we're seeing now, though, is Trump supporters being hunted by sedition hunters, by the FBI. What happens when that power shifts to the right and somebody like Trump says, OK, go hunt all the sedition hunters, go hunt down Antifa, go hunt down BLM, go hunt down all those jurors that made horrible decisions and put our innocent people in prison. Go hunt down all those jurors. Oh, and get the judges. Oh, and get the prosecutors and get all those people and bring them to me. How, how do you think those people are going to feel when they're the ones that are hunted or they're the ones that are driven to suicide for fear of the FBI coming to get you for fear of the department of justice, putting you in jail away from your family for uh, how many years This is the reality. And I know that it switches back and forth. I know that at some point, the the conservative side may have the opportunity to say, okay, boys, sick them. What's going to happen with that? Are people going to be okay with that hunting down the other team? Because right now, Sedition Hunters works with the FBI, funded by Homeland Security, to hunt J6ers, grandmas. It doesn't matter. They're paid to do that. And here we are suffering from the effects of that. I, I don't know how else to compare that to the to the civil rights era. I mean, how many times was Martin Luther King Jr. thrown in jail? Wasn't it like 38 times or something? Is he a bad guy because he got thrown in jail? Hell no. No, he's not. Right. Well, and, and anyone who helped with the underground slavery, you know, the were you were they guilty of committing crimes of the laws of the day? Yeah. Was yeah. it a righteous defiance of what the law is? Was it wrong laws? Yes. And I think that's where we're at today with patriots or whatever you want to call those Americans who believe in our constitutional republic. You know, that doctrine of the lesser magistrate that uh, Pat Pasquale brought up uh, often in general Flynn has taken that concept and principle of if it's a if it's a unjust law, you are righteous in defying it. And I think we need to see more of that. There is no problem that we face in our American and I extend that to the world that can't be solved. I really believe that 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 everything, whether it's you know resources, whether it's hunger, whether it's, uh, society things, mental illness, controlling, you know, our government, those things have solutions, correcting the problems within our law enforcement agencies. All of those things are possible to write. It's the will to do so. And that's where I think we're seeing more of that. I don't know if you had a chance to see Sound of Freedom yet. Um, I know there it's a very powerful film. I would encourage the audience to go see it. Um, it's done very well. It's a really hard topic and concept to wrap your brain around the reality of what it is. But we need to, to understand the most evil perpetuated in our in our world today when it is these crimes against the children. And, and the left is great at using children when it serves their purpose oh for the children for the children right what that's code for we're going to laundry money through this you know organization uh we're going to keep the border open for these children but in reality it's because 
the number the United States is the number one consumer of child pornography. It's you know that and and there's a powerful uh, information and call to action given in the film. I don't want to give it away for the audience who hasn't seen it, but things like Sound of Freedom, things like Writing History, the journalistic battle of January 6th, things like Bloody Hill, um, all of those are powerful ways to move society. What is a woman? You know, Matt Walsh's documentary. Mm -hmm. All of these are powerful tools to be able to have the conversation with someone who is not as aware of what is all going on around us. Well, that's it. And, you know, of course, it'd be more comfortable just to keep your head in the sand, you know, and, and let everything go by and, and, and you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Let's, let's not address the monster under the bed or the one in the closet or whatever. I get that. But when you look at January 6th and you, you were talking about unjust, you know, what those police were doing to people, it, it was amazing. I gave a speech in California a week or so ago and, you know, I, I said, are there any policemen in the audience? Because I, I, I need help. You know, the, these people have been brutalized and, and nobody's helping in law enforcement to call the police out for the brutality that they put on these innocent protesters. And there was one guy in the whole crowd that was a police officer and he seemed pretty popular. A lot of people have been talking to him and stuff. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, David, I want you to know that there's not one police force in America that will approve of overhead strikes to the head with a baton. I will explain it to that lady with the, the, the lacerations to her head and her arm where she right. was trying to defend herself from those police as they were cracking her head open and ripping her arm open with their batons. So where are the police that are standing up for these people? You know, and Jake Lang. Yeah. I mean, he, he was swinging a bat at some cops at one point because they were killing Roseanne Boyle and they were pushing people to their death, basically. And, you know, enough's enough. So is he guilty? Absolutely. Was it justified? Probably so. And that's what we need to explore. We need to see who the bad guys really were. And, you know, I got a lot of trouble when I put out writing history because people say you didn't do anything to, to, uh, you know, help MAGA to help, you know, protect the Trump. I said, no, man, if you did something wrong, I'm sorry you got pulled in, sucked in, or you're a bad guy or whatever. We just need to know and find out for real. Well, there, there, yeah. Like, case wouldn't that be self-defense you're allowed to defend yourself and right. others see the defense of others falls into a lot of this too if you're witnessing somebody being murdered so then you'll have you know ashley's mom mickey say but these cops were operating with impunity they could do anything they want with no repercussions we know it's true look at michael leroy bird look at the guys that shot the grenades in the crowd and killed greason look at officer lila morris that that beat the last bit of life out of roseanne boylan with a big stick no reper actually they celebrate them dunn got to talking to the hearings uh, Lila Morris gets to go to the Super Bowl. Fanon gets a book, you know, all these things based on lies after lie after lie after lie. And it's all provable, but people have to really want to know. And, and unfortunately, the the select committee and the government, all these pinheads jumped out early on and said, those people hurt policemen. Those people possibly killed a cop or did kill a cop, all these things. And, and, and the public, by and large, took that hook, line and sinker and never spit it out. They never decided there was a hook in it. And they're still carrying that bait around. And unfortunately, that's not what happened. The The policeman was not murdered by us. There were actually four innocent civilians murdered by the police. It was four to nothing that day, five to nothing if you count Sicknick, because they 
didn't treat him when they could have. We had witnesses that took Officer Sicknick to the police and said, this guy's sick. He's hurt. Something's wrong with him. Can you treat him? Well, yeah, three o'clock. Yeah, we got him. We got him. And then another witness at 730, four hours later, says, man, I'm a, I'm a combat medic. Let me treat this guy. He's having a stroke. His face is white. His lips are blue. You know what the medic didn't say? There's a big gaping hole on his head because there wasn't. That's that's pretty important because they try to say he got hit by a fire extinguisher in the beginning, and we know that was a lie now. We know that he had a stroke now. But that didn't help them from getting their media blast out, and, and that's what people still believe. And so they won't support other J6ers because they think some did some things wrong. I'm telling you guys, that that's like blaming the girl that got raped for wearing a short dress. There is no difference to me. These people went for the right reasons, to the right place, at the right time, do the right thing. They got attacked by the police. Some defended themselves. And now they're looking at up to life in prison for, you know, for nothing, for nothing. And, and their plight, their plea is, where are the people to come rescue us when we were the ones standing in the gap for you? So y'all just go to stophatecom slash J6, find something that you can do to help these people. Just give them a little hope. And I'm sure they would gladly return the favor if they were in the position to do so. A couple of bucks on their gives and goes or, you know, whatever you can do to help. You can go to the Department of Defense there on stop8.com for that. Buy that prisoner's book. You know, do something that helps them spread their story, spread their information, and raise a little money. And I feel like what's important about talking, you know, your focus on January 6th, people, we get so battle fatigued or we get, you know, uh, a short attention span and we're like, are you still talking about J6? Like that was so 2021. That's right. That's because in the next couple of days, Daniel's going to go to jail. The, you know, nicest kid for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, you know, Scott Rhodes, 18 years of his life. That's ridiculous. So yeah, the the J six is still very much today, not just back from J six twenty twenty one. So I think it's important to keep this conversation as we talked about top of fold. That's in the newspaper in the old days where you kept the story, the headlines, because most people would take a look at the top of the newspaper and that's their news consumption for the day. So it's important to keep J six because it's ongoing. This battle is not over. It wasn't a one-time event that was, you know, one and done. It's It has the ongoing consequences for all these patriots who's, who went in your stead to to D.C. And they used to say, you know, for, for politicians, like one letter, if you would write your congressman or woman, that represented the mindset of, you know, a hundred like that ratio of what one letter, one action was bigger of where the sentiment of the people was in the greater community. And so everyone who went to D.C. was representing more than just themselves there. They were all the people back home who couldn't just, you know, get themselves there for whatever reasons, work, job, family. Um, So they they did show up for all of us. And so we need to show up for them. They really did. And, you know, these last couple of years, two and a half years, been kind of lonely for a lot of guys. And I say kind of, that's the understatement of my life. It's been, you know, miserable. No support that they can feel sometimes, you know, the, the commissary, the letters. 
we need to up our game folks. You know, we really do in support of these guys and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, January 6th was two and a half years ago. I, I get it. It's old news, but you know who it's really uh, pertinent to today? President Trump. So, you know, it's not over. It's far from over. And, and hopefully with him being in a position now, wow, he's calling me on here. Can you hear that Tamara? You hear that ringing in the background? You can't hear it, can you? No, that's good. But no, just just know that if it's happening to Trump still, then, you know, it can happen to you just as easy. And that's what we're trying to avoid. I wish that would stop. I don't know if I'm the only one hearing it or not. You can hear it. You can hear it? I could. Now I stopped. Oh, there it goes. Good. Yeah, but anyway, like I said, you know, it's it's very new. It's very happening to to President Trump. He's going to start experiencing everything. Hopefully, he won't end up in jail with the J6ers. I've made a lot of jokes over the last two and a half years about, hey, maybe he'll get thrown in jail for a minute and he can visit those J6ers personally because they have a lot of things to say to him. Like, why didn't you come out earlier and harder and faster and stronger in defense of us? But unfortunately, he's used the same situation like he did for General Flynn. We We experienced that. We witnessed it where he let the deep state take him way out so he could show what happened. This is another one of those situations, unfortunately. And, you know, I do believe it's been hijacked for the election in so many ways. And, and it's really up to us, the people, to keep putting this information out double time. You know, double time. Go share our documentaries. Go watch them if you had not watched them yet. Just stop8.com. Uh, they're there on the front page. There's the five death article. All kinds of good I'm stuff. I'm going to get a shout out in before we leave. Do it. Now we're running up against the hard stop, but um, I just thank you for having me on with you today. Always a pleasure to chat with you and your audience here on Connecting the Dots. Um, and if you want to watch more, uh, I do have Trend on Politics. We're on Rumble and YourNews.com, a new platform that we've gone to, YourNews.com. They've got a great aggregation of uh the influencers and newsmakers and not just opinion pieces, but actual uh, real journalism over there. And so I would direct you there, Trend on Politics. And tomorrow, well, no, wait, Wednesday show. Today's Tuesday. I'm losing track of the days. This Wednesday, we have attorney Tom Rents on, who many of you know as the uh, COVID attorney who really uh, – he says he's a nobody from Ohio, but he's not. He's been one of the frontline fighters uh, in doing something against the vaccine mandates. And uh, we also get into not just, again, that was then, this is now. There is more coming that if we don't stop up on the health and pharmaceutical front of, of vaccines and their just intention to alter who we are at the DNA chemical base level. So really great show. I'd encourage you to join us 11 a.m. on Rumble on Wednesdays. And then we usually show up on your news uh, shortly after that Wednesday afternoon. So thank you for letting me get a plug in. No, you're good. I hope people go watch Trend On. I've been watching it for years. I love your show. And uh, you've always done a really good job bringing truth to people, Tamara. I appreciate you joining me today so much and uh, helping me fill some time here with some Really important information for folks. So 
Everybody, listen, go, I, I can't thank you enough for being here today and joining us. I know I'm running a minute late here. Just go to stophate.com slash J6 if you want to look at the J6 stuff specifically. There's research, there's resources, there's calls to action. Please get involved. Don't take this lightly. And uh, just know that if they came for us, they'll come for you next. We all have to stand together and and fight this evil because that's what it is. And uh, on behalf of Dan Happel and Connecting the Dots, I'm David Summerall. God bless you and keep you until next time. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas oh from sea to shining sea from Detroit down to Houston Forget the man.